Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. G, Spirit Tales and Magic. We are out in the field. We're at a motel, and they've asked me not to mention their name. I can tell you tonight we will be at Claim Jumpers. So if you know where that is and you're out and about, then you know who we are. If you see us, come up and say hello. An email today from Susan. It says, Doc, remember the days when the church would sponsor outings and kids would go out and sit around a big bonfire and tell stories? I worked very hard after high school to become someone who wrote those kind of stories. And then you come to find out that if you have a story that takes 15 minutes to tell, someone wants you to cut it to 10 minutes or to five minutes. And it becomes a job and it's just no fun anymore. Doc, I know you have a rather high award for telling ghost stories. And I know that you, from time to time, do lend them to commercial people. How do you get through it? You know, when I think of a ghost story, I think of something that isn't rushed. And as we progress in time, people, some people, just don't really want to hear them anymore. It's a shame. Please mention Firelight and what it means to you. And then go on with a story or two. See you in the next few days. My tour is going to cross over yours, Susan. Well, let's start by saying there is indeed a world unseen. A world that exists all around us, all the time. And every now and then, for whatever the reason, we catch a glimpse of it and the dead get in. Had a couple folks write in and say, why do you always start with that? There are a couple reasons. One, because it's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. And two, because my daughter wrote it. And it describes my life as a young man and hers. Growing up, in my case, in three haunted houses, and in her case, in at least two. And my other daughter can also tell you she grew up in a haunted house as well. I believe it was only one for her. I'm not sure about her current house. You cannot live in the time that we're alive in the world that we live in and not, whether it's a ghost or an angel or a demon or whatever it is that you believe in, <clears throat> you, you have to know that there's something other than yourself. And if you're the person that believes that that is not true, I, I don't know what to tell you, but come and hang out with me for a couple of weeks and uh, change your mind. You know, when I think about telling a ghost story, I think about sitting around a campfire, sometimes roasting marshmallows, sometimes not. Telling spooky tales with a flashlight under my chin or you know, a lit torch that we passed around and, and held. 
not too many people take part in that type of an activity today, but it just seems like a perfect way to share a scary story, especially with the sound of the forest rustling around you and stars overhead. But even if you're not in forest or out in a field or wherever you happen to be, telling ghost stories is still a brilliant way to pass the time. And even if it's not a ghost story, it could be something paranormal. It could be an urban legend or a story about a cryptid. Susan asked me to mention Firelight. Firelight is a charity that I'm working on. Now, if you know me, you'll know that throughout my life, um, and I'm I'm not going to go into my life, but there's a book coming out called Rooftop Chats, The Making of Invisible. When you find that, when it comes out, you should buy it and read it. It, uh, it will definitely be an interesting read. Ghost stories and paranormal stories, to me, are ingrained in our psyche. Telling stories around a fire, we, we didn't invent that. That goes clear back to the days that men sat in caves and told stories around fires. Simple then, maybe, where to hunt the best animals, what water not to drink because it'll make you sick. It became sort of the centerpiece of of your existence, if you will. You know, there was a time when 90% of all fires were dedicated to the telling of stories. Today, less than 60% of fires are dedicated to the telling of stories. Being out, being able to sit with people and be quiet and listen to a story is a skill that we could all use. Take a look around the world and tell me that you believe that that isn't something that we'd like to have back. If I live long enough, which at this point has become debatable, it was my intention to make places around the country called Firelight. It is a, I hate to say haunted bed and breakfast. It's a storytelling adventure where you can put the damn cell phone down and you can come and sit around a fire eat some homemade food, and listen to and even possibly tell a story where you can forget all of the crap that goes around in your mind every day. And and I don't care who you are, you have it. Uh, If you watch the movie Jack Reacher, and it's not a plug for that, but there's a scene where the character Jack is looking from a window down into other windows. And he said, take a look at this. What do you see? And the female character says, well, I see the, the things I see every day. He says, tell me which one of these guys, there's a, there's a part I'm skipping, but say you'd never seen it. And then he goes on to say, tell me which one down there is free from 
debt from ridicule. And he has a list of things that he that he reads. <clears throat> and then he goes on to say, if if people knew how this was going to be, would they do it all over again, or would they live their life like me? It's kind of an interesting thing when you when you look at it that way. But storytelling, like I said, it's, it's, it's in your psyche and it's good for you. Susan had written me before and she said, you know, there's nothing more I love than scary stories. The adrenaline, the rush of fear. If you know me, then you know how much I love telling creepy tales, especially during a sleepover with my friends. What I enjoyed the most were short things that somehow stayed in your mind. As a person who occasionally lends himself to commercial endeavors, and as an entertainer in general, you're always faced with, I need somebody to fill this amount of time. Insert whatever you want there, five minutes, 10 minutes, one hour. Um, I recently was asked by some people in the city if I could come up with some one-liners or two-liners for a ghost story. Seriously, and they're like, oh yeah, we, we just want you to, we're going to do a haunted house and you know, these are things that are just going to happen while people are walking through. Now, those of you who know where I'm from and spend any time there, when the rec center was a new new thing, they had a haunted house that was shut down twice because it was too scary. That's me. It was scary as in you would go home and think about it. You'd come back the next day to make sure you were thinking about it. Then you couldn't get it out of your head. By the third time you came through, you were really, really scared. I wanted to give them their money's worth. So I get contracted by these guys. And I took some things that actually happened in my own life. And I can't go into the details about this, but there was a time when my ex-wife looked at me and said, the man at the bottom of the stairs wants you to leave. So we changed that for the haunted house to mummy, the man at the top of the stairs wants you to leave. Now, the person, the character that says that then goes around behind this little curve and a different character walks out and the thing that she went behind falls over. She's gone. How about I woke up to hear knocking on the glass? At first, I thought, who would be tapping on my window until I realized it was coming from the mirror behind me? There's nothing like laughter of a baby in your home. 
unless you're home alone, and there's definitely no baby. One-liners, my friends, can be creepy. A father went to say goodnight to his seven-year-old son, very well knowing that if he didn't, his son would have trouble sleeping. It seemed that his son lately had had a great deal of trouble falling asleep. He would run down the stairs and into his father's room and talk about the monster under the bed and could he sleep with him. And so they came upon this ritual that they did every night. The father would go in, kiss the son on the forehead and say, I'm going to look for the monsters, look under the bed. And come up from under the bed and say, no monsters, go to sleep, buddy. Kiss him on the head and walk out the door. <clears throat> so the father goes to say goodnight, knowing that if he didn't, the child would have trouble sleeping or maybe not sleep at all. After all, it had become the nightly routine between them. He entered the dimly lit room where his son waited under his blanket. With the first glance, the father could tell that there was something unusual about his son tonight. He couldn't quite put his fingers on it, but something was very different. He had a weird grin from ear to ear. You okay, buddy? The father asked. The son nodded. And with a grin, he said, Daddy, can you check for the monster under my bed. The father chuckled a bit before getting on his knees. And he said, sure, buddy, I can check. There under the bed, pale and afraid, was his son, his real son. He looked up and whispered, Daddy, there's something on my bed. Need we go on? A hiker decided to go on a hike by himself, something that he really wasn't used to. The whole day was normal, trees and bushes and engulfed his surroundings and the noises that you hear when you're hiking, the birds and other animals. He enjoyed being outdoors in the mountains. Nothing really seemed strange to him. That was until he was making his way back to his car. He figured an eight-hour hike was good enough. The sky was already getting dark, and he needed to get back fast. What was odd was how much he didn't recognize of the trail that he was on as he was headed back, and he began to panic. Night had already taken over and all he had was a flashlight and no clue on how to get back. He knew it was already too late and too dangerous to keep going through the forest. He began to worry that he would have no shelter for the night. When almost lucky enough, he stumbled across a broken-down cabin. It was dark and seemed like no one had visited it in several years, but he knew it was the only place where he could rest until daylight, especially since his flashlight 
was beginning to run out of battery power. He knocked on the door several times, but no one would answer. The door was unlocked, so he let himself in, where strangely enough, a perfect bed fitted for one person awaited him in the center of the room. He knew that if the owner came back, he could try and explain himself. He was sure that the owner wouldn't mind, or was even probably dead. So he went ahead and got himself comfortable in the bed. As he tried to sleep, he couldn't ignore the collection of paintings around the room. Portraits of strange-looking people all peering at him, each wearing a smile that sent chills down his spine. Not too long after this exhaustion took over, and he fell asleep. The next morning, he got up early, rubbed his eyes, and was shocked to see that there were no paintings around the room, just windows. A doctor was working in a hospital, a hospital where the patients were tagged with colored bands. Green was alive, red, deceased. One night, the doctor was instructed to get a few supplies from the basement of the hospital. He headed to the lift. That would be the elevator. The lift doors opened, and there was a patient inside, minding her own business. Patients were allowed to roam around the hospital to stretch, especially those who have stayed long. The rule was to be back in their room before 10 o'clock. The doctor smiled at the patient before pressing the number for the basement. He found it unusual that the woman didn't have a button already pressed. He wondered if she also was headed to the basement. The lift finally reached the floor where the doors opened. In the distance, a man was limping toward the elevator. And in a panic, the doctor slammed the elevator button to close. It finally did, and the lift began to ascend back up as the doctor's heart was pounding. He looked at the other patient. She said, why? Why did you do that? He was only trying to use the lift. The woman sounded annoyed. Did you see his wrist? The doctor asked. It was red. That man died last night. I would know because I was the one doing the surgery. The woman began to laugh and lifted her wrist. He saw the red and she smiled and said, Do you mean like this one? So as you can see, my friends, a story doesn't have to be overly long to be a little bit creepy. We edit time on things at the request of people all the time. Sometimes if you're not willing to do that, then that entire session is lost. It's a story not told or an event that someone can never remember.
sometimes they say it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. I know you've heard that. Sometimes it's not the length of the story. It's the part of it that you'll remember that makes those little hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You'll hear me mention the book, The Gift of Fear, quite a bit. And it says the hairs on the back of your neck stand up for a reason. We'll be telling some stories this evening, doing a little magic. I will actually see two of you at this event. And we will talk tomorrow. So until I get to see you in person, tell some ghost stories. It's good for you. And don't forget, we'll see you inside your mind. Good afternoon from Washington State. Dr. G, Spirit Tales and Magic.